1: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, Cast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast. brought to you by Centa Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Another Silver Linings edition, Hornets' disappointing result against the Sacramento Kings. 123-98 was the final Hornets' failed to sweep the Kings on the season series. Sacramento getting some rev- Revenge on a Hornets team that took a win in the capital of California just over a week ago. We'll break down the game, give you our silver linings, talk about the biggest silver lining of all the Hornets continued commitment to the community. We'll have our latest edition of our Yellow Ribbon interviews honoring a local member of the military or former military for their service to our country as well as our community and we'll talk a little bit about how the injuries have impacted the Hornets and how it compares to some other stars in the league who are currently dealing with injuries or at least have been over the course of the season. Helping me on all these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network as well as the producer of this fine podcast, Rob Longo. Rob, a tough one. All the way around for Charlotte losing 123-98. to 98. There was a glimmer of hope that the Hornets might get some added assistance From the injured players, Uh, Cody Martin started the day as questionable with the groin injury. P.J. Washington started it as doubtful, dealing with a foot injury. Doubtful doesn't mean it's very likely the guy's going to get in there, obviously. That's the the reason he was listed as doubtful. But still, it's it's tough for Charlotte, this shorthanded, to continue to go out there and come up with the kind of efforts that put themselves in positions to win. Particularly when taking on a Sacramento side who, albeit was on night two of a back-to-back, entered the game at 100% full strength. Now, they didn't last long. They had a starter, uh, Kevin Herter, who really isn't someone they depend on very much for all that much. He's averaging just under 10 points per game. He's been in and out of the starting lineup. He's a good player, don't get me wrong, but missing him is not the same thing as missing De'Aaron Fox or Damanis Simonis, let alone that player's backup and that player's backup, which is oftentimes what the Hornets have been running into, and I think the is a big part of the reason why, although not the only reason why, Charlotte fell 123-98. to
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you summarized it pretty well there. I mean, it's also the fact that even though Sacramento was on the second night of a back-to-back, certainly didn't look like it. I mean, they came out really, really well. In terms of just shooting the three ball, they were 11 of 20 in the first half from Beyond the Arc. You go back to the game on Tuesday where they were in Detroit, they were two of 11 in the first half shooting the three. So they definitely cranked it to another level. I think maybe, I don't want to say they had extra motivation coming into this one because the Hornets beat them at their place not that long ago, but it's probably in the back of their mind saying we got to come out with a certain intensity or a certain focus or a certain mindset to make sure that we jump on them early and certainly did. I mean, the Hornets were down early in this one. They had an early lead, but just again, it just seems like it's the same song and dance here over the last three, four weeks now where it's Charlotte's in a game, they're competitive, and they just run out of gas. They just don't have enough left in order to pull themselves across the finish line, whether that's one or two injuries away, whether that's just guys playing heavy, heavy minutes, and they're gassed in the fourth quarter. I mean, there's a couple of different things out here, but, I mean, this one got a little dark pretty quickly in last night's game, down 15 going into the fourth quarter, able to pull the starters with about, I don't know, six and a half minutes left to go to try to get them a little bit of rest. As Steve Clifford said before the game last night that he just can't keep playing guys these heavy minutes. I mean, I think Terry Rozier played what 40 minutes the other night against Chicago. I mean, it's just not sustainable. Miles has been playing a lot of minutes. He said that part of the reason why Cody Martin is out of the lineup is because of his fault because he played Cody a little bit too much and again, it's not Cliff's fault that all these guys are hurt. If you have an opportunity to win the game, you got to keep your guys in there. So, unfortunately, just the way that it goes sometimes with, you know, these injuries and I know we've talked about it for the last 2 years now and it's annoying and I hate talking about it, but it is what it is. So, again, I I don't want to say if it was one or two players that were back in the game last night, that it might be a different story for the Hornets, but again, I feel like a lot of this was on the intensity side, based off of what Steve Clifford said after the game.
1: Well, look, it could be, because it's not that the bench has bad players on it, quite the contrary. These are guys who can certainly step into a role with the starters, with the normal contributors, and definitely have already this season proven what they're capable of. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. had his third straight game in double figures coming off the bench. He had some run with the starting group as well. Bryce McGowan's has had some very impressive games. He got the start last night. Ish Smith, we all know how good he is. He's a, an NBA champion for a reason. Nathan Mensah is impressed in his rookie season. JT Thor has had some flashes, had a season high just the other day against Chicago. Uh, James Booknight's been shooting the ball very well from beyond there. Every one of these guys can play. It's Clearly, when the team breaks away from the starting group that has Terry Rozier, Brandon Miller, Nick Richards, Miles Bridges in it with whoever's along with them, as they start to take guys out and put more and more of the less experienced guys together, that's when things start to turn in. And the box score tells the story. Even though Demonis Sabonis was dominant, 24 points, 10 rebounds, he's a minus in the plus minus. Harrison Barnes, who's a champion already in his career, he's a minus in the plus minus. There's a lot of that. And then you look to the bench. These are all good players for Sacramento. But there shouldn't really be a player on the bench playing 15 minutes who's plus 28 or plus 20 in the plus minus. And that happened for several guys for Sacramento. And on the flip side for Charlotte, some of the younger guys coming in who played 20 minutes, they were minus 22 or worse in the plus minus. Not the only stat. It's not the the one that matters most, but it does tell a story for the Hornets. One of the storylines after the game from Hornets head coach Steve Clifford uh, was what he believed might have been lacking in that game last night that they had shown in spades in previous performances, and that is intensity.
0: Tonight, for one of the first times, this is what I told the guys. We just didn't put enough into the game. And we don't have that kind of roster, especially right now. And we have to find a way to get back to the other night. To be honest with you, you watched the other night, and as frustrating as it was because to me, and I'm sure you guys read this two-minute warning, it was a foul at the end of the game. Okay, it was a foul to me. Okay? And so we should have won that game but we deserve to win that game and tonight regardless of who the opponent was and they're very good we weren't going to win
1: i love the dual message there from coach clifford one back in his guys they deserve to win that game his opinion they should have won that game that uh, the two-minute report a little fuzzier than normal saying that there was no angle that would have determined that the call was made wrong which is not to say that it was made right And it's not to say that was made wrong, clearly, because they said it was the correct non-call. It was the football version of call stands. I suppose. But, I mean, for them to go to the length and say there isn't anything to overturn it— Means that there's some gray area there that, you know, if this is a, an NBA Finals game and there's 30 cameras out there, that maybe they do have an angle that sees the foul correctly and the Hornets win that game at the free throw line in regulation. But neither here nor there. The point was from coach that you have to have the right intensity and that's something that will carry over once this team is healthier. Knock on wood, that'll start as soon as tomorrow when the Hornets visit the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, but if the team can get there, you still have to have that intensity because it's going to be a long road back towards a postseason position right now as things sit the Hornets I think are roughly seven games out of a top 10 position with 47 games left to play that that's a lot of time to make it up and really you're only talking about making up one game every two weeks but to do that under your own power you probably have to be winning two-thirds of these games so going 30 and 17 is not going to be easy particularly when you've only gone 8 and 27 so far even if injuries are a major reason why let's get into silver linings from last night's game a 123 to 98 loss to the kings which sent the hornets now to that 8 and 27 record rob longo your pick for silver linings slightly off
2: the beaten path a little bit i think i'm going to go with brandon miller
1: rozier throws the corner bridges up to miller wing three yes Brandon Miller drilling another Lowe's three-point shot. He's into double figures now with 12 points.
2: Brandon finishes with 15 points in a starting roll, 5 of 10 from the field. Efficient for 6 from beyond the arc. Very efficient, just one for two at the line. A rebound, two assists in there. So the rebounding and the assist numbers were a little bit down compared to what we've seen from Brandon over the last couple of games. But the good news in this instances he bounced back in a scoring column I mean you go back to his last two games he had a combined 13 points was definitely in a little bit of a slump there coming back after he missed a game whether that was ankle slash sickness or whatever you want to call it he just was a little bit beat up for that one game not that long ago comes back last two games against Chicago both of them not the greatest comes back last night scores 15 points that's why he's my silver lining I thought he just did a really good job kind of finding that consistency again and again everybody's entitled to having a slump or two if Brandon Miller's rookie slump is two games. I'm more than happy with that. So, hopefully it's just more consistency from here on out, but I thought he had a really good bounce back game last night.
1: Yeah, and and look, he's been an absolute warrior. He's played through a couple of injuries already. He's clearly been under the weather. That was the reason why he was shooting 7% from 3 over a two-game spell. I'm confident we could blindfold him, spin him around, pig the tail on the donk, pin the tail on the donkey style from half court, put him anywhere, keep the blindfold on and he still might make more than seven Seven percent, just by hearing the sound of how the ball bounces. I, I mean, he's that kind of shooter. We want to test this. It'd it would be, be fun content. It would be interesting. Look, he is that good. So you know, for him to shoot that poorly, he had to have been sick, and he clearly was. Brandon Miller leads the team in games played.
2: Let that sink in. Leads the team in minutes, I'm pretty sure.
1: Uh, I've, it's I've, close. There, there's a good chance that that's that's the truth here. Uh, yeah, I think he does. He does by quite a margin, I think by at least 100 minutes. So, Brandon Miller, he has been an absolute warrior, and good to see him bounce back and and refine his form, at least, from three-point land, shooting just under 40%, I believe now, from distance. Great pick as a silver lining. I've got a couple of tap uh, cap tips I'd like to give here before giving you my silver lining selection. One of them is Terry Rozier. I know we tend to make him one of our selections, star of the game or silver lining. And with 22 points, he was deserving, but I want to spread the wealth a little bit. Seven for eight from the free throw line. It was his 158th career 20-point performance as a member of the Charlotte Hornets organization. That moves him now ahead of Gerald Wallace, a former All-Star, for the fourth most 20-point games in franchise history. Great accomplishment there. Cap tip to Terry Rogier. One more to Nick Smith Jr., a third straight performance of 10 or more. Talking to head coach Steve Clifford before the game, who are some of the young guys, the players who were not in the rotation before this level of injury hit the team that might retain their role as guys come back, and he singled out Nick Smith Jr. as one who elevated into that area and might stay there moving forward. So uh, him to continue to score. Look, not a great game for the bench, but I, I thought he showed something there for Charlotte. But my silver lining selection is going to be Miles Bridges. Bounce pass to Brandon Miller. He gives it up to Bridges. He'll go right down the lane and punches it with the right hand. Oh, the motor is running early for Miles Bridges. And he puts the Hornets back up by three with a vicious Dr. Pepper dunk. Time out, Sacramento. Miles Bridges with his fifth consecutive 20-point performance, and what has been so impressive from both Miles Bridges and Terry Rozier is with this many injuries, this many guys out, the teams that the Hornets are playing are absolutely keyed in on these two guys. They are just trying to make their lives as difficult as possible, not necessarily accepting that they're going to score anyways, but trying to make it as hard as they can on them because they, they – They see that as the only way to a win for Charlotte, probably, is for those two guys to play out of their minds. And they continue to do it, beating the double and triple teams. And Miles Bridges, just uh, another great performance. 24 points, Four of eight from three. He continues to shoot 50% or better from distance over this now five-game stretch of consecutive 20-point games. And I do think this is something that is sustainable, just like Terry Rozier. Probably not the same kind of shot volume, but you're going to get better looks as this team gets healthier. Hopefully, that will start tomorrow when the Hornets visit the San Antonio Spurs. Plenty more to talk about on this edition of the HHC, but coming up next, one of our favorite things to do here on the Hornets Hivecast is highlight some members of our community who served our country in the military. Military and were given the Yellow Ribbon Award from the Charlotte Hornets, honoring them for their service, their sacrifice in and outside of uniform to our community. We'll highlight the latest recipient next here on the Hornets Hivecast. The Charlotte Hornets honor military veterans and retirees for their unwavering service to our country and their impact on the community through the Yellow Ribbon Program, which recognizes one of our heroes during Hornets home games throughout the season with recipients getting acknowledged prior to the National Anthem as well as during an on-court presentation. At halftime, our January Yellow Ribbon recipient is former U.S. Marine Corporal Felicia Freeman. She served in the U.S. Marine Corps from 2007 to 2011, completing two combat tours operating tactical vehicles in Iraq and Afghanistan while stationed at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. Freeman received multiple medals and ribbons for her service and after leaving the military became an EMT and volunteered at her local fire department. Today she continues to help others serving as a personal support staff for individuals with disabilities and as a volunteer at a local museum and living facilities near her home in Mount Holly, North Carolina. And it is our pleasure and privilege to honor her here and welcome her to the Hornet's Hivecast. Felicia thanks so much for spending some time with us.
0: Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it.
1: We are thrilled to have you. Tell us more about your story. Why did you decide to enlist in the military?
0: Well, I grew up in a military family, so... I had my own sense of duty. I had my own calling. My grandfather retired from the United States Navy, and my brother was in the Army. So I had several cousins that were in all the other branches, and the only one that was not taken was the Marine Corps. So I said, that is my calling, and that is my, that's is my—that's where my sense of duty is coming, and that's where I went.
1: So all boxes are now checked here for the Freeman family across all the, the branches of the military.
0: <laughs> yes, all of them are checked tell me for you personally,
1: what is one lesson from your experience that you took away that you wouldn't have gotten without having served in the military?
0: There's definitely a lot of valuable lessons that I still carry with me to this day. I think the main one was that they taught me was just keep going and never to give up. Like just always keep that fight going. And no matter what, there's light at the end of the tunnel. The Marine Corps' core values are honor, courage, and commitment. So that those are also just Three things that I even now live by day-to-day, just that self-control and discipline. No matter the situation that you face in life, you will get through it and you have to keep going, and I wouldn't have got that anywhere
1: else. Well, hearing your story, you certainly exemplify honor, courage, and commitment, And, and your perseverance, it really rings through. Since you've left the military, you continue to serve our country, our communities by being an EMT, how did your military service help prepare you for your next career?
0: Well, just really the dedication. Like The medical field is not for everybody. You have to long hours and do and see things that you wouldn't want anybody else to see. And so definitely being in the military gave me that strong mental mindset to basically complete the mission. While you're in the military, you're also helping others. You're and you're protecting your whole entire country. And so helping others in any way possible has always been something that I have had a desire to do. And so one, it was just like a little pass and one thing led to the other. I didn't wanna just stop after I got out of the military. I still had that desire to help. And so even though my time in service was complete, my time in helping others in need, whether it be helping the neighbor on a call from the fire department, I don't know, get their cat out of a tree versus helping a sick kid. It's always something that is there. I
1: think what you said there is so important because it's not just raising your hand, which hopefully all of us will find a way to do that over our lives to give back, but specifically what you do as an EMT, that, that takes a particular kind of person. Not just anyone can raise their hand and come in there and do that and and be able to handle everything that they come across. So we, we so much appreciate everything you've done in and out of the military to give back. And, and then even beyond that, you continue to volunteer at a local museum, at living facilities near your home in Mount Holly, North Carolina, what is it that propels you, compels you to give back to our community, even in some ways that don't require necessarily as much that specific subset of experience and expertise, but just the willingness to volunteer and give back?
0: There's that old saying that it the, it takes a village and so that's a saying that I have literally grown to appreciate because whether it's your own small family unit or a community, it takes everyone to run the community safely and just enjoyably. And so I know that I like to put myself in other people's shoes, if that makes sense. And so when it comes to volunteering out in the community, like at the living facilities and at the museum, that's just something that I would want my son 10 years from now to be like, oh, well, you know, my mom did this. And when you have a, a a young child looking up to you, it's definitely that also gives you the motivation. And you always have to take that step back and be like, you know, I'm getting older and so is he, but, you know, I could possibly be in one of these living facilities or something. And so I want him to have that same positive outlook and be like, you know what, I can go and help. And so it's just, it's kind of like, I like to think of it as a chain reaction, if you will. If you do good, a lot of good comes back to you. And then for the kids, and that's just the kids in general, throughout the whole community, just not only mine, if you're showing them that there's lots of things that you can do to help out, you know, themselves and the community, it just leads to a, a brighter future. And so I know that Whenever we're all gone, then all our kids will take over, and I like to think that if we leave a good, positive impact and we teach them all these great things now, that whenever we're gone, the tradition and things will continue.
1: Well, there is no question you're setting a perfect example for yours and all of our our children, and our village is better for having you a part of it. Felicia Freeman, thank you so much for your service to our country, for your continued work in our community, and congratulations, our honor to honor you as January's Yellow Ribbon recipient from the Yellow Ribbon program here with the Hornets. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Felicia Freeman, former U.S. Marine Corporal and our honoree in the Yellow Ribbon Program for the month of January. Congrats to her and thank you again for your service. Coming up next on the Hornets Hivecast, we'll get back to basketball. Rob Longo back in studio after this quick break here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets. i brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets fall to 8-27 and on the season. They're in quite the hole and have been in quite the bind with all of the injured Hornets. In particular, if you focus in on the games that LaMelo Ball was either injured in or has missed since, that's now 21 games Hornets have lost 18 of them it is crystal clear how valuable he is to the team and it really does put into perspective just uh, how big of a, a of a blow it has been to have this many absences and Rob Longa wanted to put it in perspective and and draw the comparison to something new in the league this year that I think is appropriate and I think long term will have an impact and that is the requirement for players who are going to win major awards and be given all NBA designation to play in at least 65 games now that's That sounds like a lot, but compared to... Other eras of the NBA where it was maybe more common for guys to go 82 for whatever those reasons might be, it's not that much to ask, I don't think, to say 65 games. That's allowing you to miss 17 over the course of the season. And to put it in perspective, LaMelo Ball has already been eliminated from contention for any kind of award, all NBA or otherwise, because he's already missed 20 games. Mark Williams, if he misses one more, which based off the last injury update, he's going to be out of another... Portion of a week, so he will miss another game. He will be eliminated from all NBA contention. This isn't to say either of those guys was going to get it or not. I personally think LaMelo Ball's numbers are right there. So, a good chance if he played every single game from now on, he'd have the kind of numbers and the kind of stats that would make him certainly a strong candidate for something like that. But the rule is now the rule, and he's eliminated. And it just kind of puts in perspective how difficult it has been for Charlotte because so many of their stars have been out. And to make the comparison to some other players out there, other teams are dealing with this, but not at the same level. There was a recent article in The Athletic, I believe, about why certain players are in danger of missing out on all NBA awards. A couple that were brought up, Joel Embiid. He is someone who has notoriously missed large quantities of games in previous seasons. I, I think to his credit, he has worked on his body, worked on uh, his his endurance through injuries, I suppose, and has been more available in the last couple of years than ever before. But he's missed nine games. He can only miss eight more. That is considered by NBA experts to be in danger of not being given an NBA award for the reigning MVP. Donovan Mitchell has also missed nine games, can only miss eight more. Devin Booker has missed nine games. He can only miss eight more. Those guys have half the games out that Charlotte's seen from LaMelo Ball and Mark Williams. And oh, by the way, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, they've all missed more than nine games already this season. So uh, that's not to, to pick on anyone. It's just to try and put it in the right perspective here. Players that have had an elite start to their season and are seen as Clear cut contenders for awards or all NBA designation. People out there, the experts, are worried about them after they've missed nine games. And everyone I've mentioned, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Mark Williams, Melball they've all missed 10 or more already at this stage of the game.
2: Going into last night's game, total games missed due to injury for the entire Hornets roster 151. And I mean, I think almost everybody has been on an injury report at some point, one way or another. Nobody's played every single game for Charlotte so far in this one. You got Brandon Miller. It's missed a couple in there. Bryce McGowan's has missed a couple. I mean, Cody Martin, LaMelo Ball, Frankie Nalikina, obviously those guys, Mark Williams, all of those guys are a little bit more high profile. So it's been really, really unfortunate for what Charlotte has had to endure. And again, we don't wish misery on anybody else because misery loves company. We just like ours to end. Yeah, we would like ours to end. But if this is a, I guess, case study, then there's a lot of teams that are unfortunately going to be joining the Hornets here basically for the last, I don't know, 48, 72 hours. I mean, John Moran injury, he's done for the year. Tyrese Halliburton's going to get reevaluated in a couple weeks with his hamstring. You talked about the big three of Phoenix that haven't played a whole lot. I think I saw a stat the other day where they've played maybe, I think, a total of like 82 minutes together or something like that. Doesn't really light a candle or hold a candle next to the 14 minutes that the Hornets have played when they still weren't fully healthy, considering they didn't have some of their offseason acquisitions for that game in Orlando that we've talked about time and time again. So, I mean, I guess everybody's going to find out sooner or later what the Hornets have had to deal with. I know there's other teams that have had a lot of man games lost total, but I mean, so much of the NBA, and I don't want to you know water it down or anything like that, but so much of the NBA is injury luck. I mean, you go back to a couple seasons ago, you look at the run that Phoenix went on. All those guys were healthy. You feel like Denver with after the Jamal Murray injury in the bubble, he's finally healthy. They win the title last year. Nicole Jokic, I don't know off the top of my head. I can't imagine he missed that many games last season. Neither did Jamal Murray. So again, it's almost one of those things where. If you have injury luck, you got a chance to win it all. If you don't have injury luck, then you know good luck. And I think Boston is a good example of that last year too. Jason Tatum rolling his ankle early on in Game Seven, so you never got a know. Huge impact. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. The stat you brought up, the number of games missed
1: by the Hornets, which was 151, you said through 34 games. So add in the six players that were absent due to injury last night. That takes it to 157 games missed out of 35 games. That means on an average night. Four and a half players, four to five players, are not available. And you might say, well, Frank nilakina has been out all year, and I think he'd be a rotation player if the team were at full strength. But let's say for the sake of argument, he's not. Okay, Let's say that there's another eight to nine guys that are going to play on a normal basis, and Frank Nilekina is not considered in the rotation. Just for the sake of argument here. That still means three and a half guys are out. Three to four players who would either start or be in your rotation are not in the game every single night. I would challenge any team shy of the dream team to survive that. You could have almost an all-star team out there, and it's not sustainable because you're putting too much focus and wear and tear on the star players you do have remaining, and you're asking a lot of rotations where those guys have to sit at some point to try and weather the storm against teams like Sacramento last night, who was completely healthy. So it has been a song we have had to sing overall for two years. Uh, we just kind of wanted to put it in perspective because I saw this article out here from The Athletic, and I think they're right to point out that you know there are other players other teams that are dealing with this and saying, hey, you know, there, there's some stars here. There's guys like a Tyrese Halliburton or a Joel Embiid or a Donovan Mitchell or a Devin Booker who, you know, even though they're having great statistical seasons, they might not make All-NBA. They might not win another MVP. They might not be in contention for whatever the award is because they've missed X number of games so far. But that X is somewhere between 8 and 10 for most of those guys. For Halliburton, I think it's 5 or 7. And for the Hornets, that's kind of like a minimum games missed for almost anyone on on the roster just all the attrition they have undergone the luck ought to turn it ought to turn quickly maybe as soon as tomorrow for really a marquee game one that i know a lot of fans have had circled for quite some time anytime number one and two in the draft get together uh, that's always something that garners a lot of attention brandon miller with a nice uh, bounce-back game out of a recent shooting slump, going four for six from three and getting 15 points on the board. Last night against Sacramento probably puts him in line to, you know, really be hopefully closer to full strength against San Antonio. And, of course, Victor Wimbanyama coming off his first career triple-double. That makes it an even more marquee matchup. And, oh, by the way, San Antonio only winning their sixth game of the year, and it was against Detroit, who set a record for most consecutive losses. So, Charlotte, I'm sure, If they can get some guys healthy, which we'll keep our fingers crossed for the injury report, uh, we'll have a good chance to
2: maybe put one in the win column and start this turnaround as soon as tomorrow. Certainly would be sooner rather than later would be a lot helpful. But, again, you never know what's going to happen, especially on the beginning of a three-game road trip. And, hey, the Hornets had some pretty good luck in San Antonio the last couple years, so hopefully it keeps rolling this Friday.
1: Yeah, they opened last season with a win in San Antonio. Hopefully they will duplicate that tomorrow. Either way, we hope you'll uh, take part in the Hornets' Hivecast tomorrow walker mail from our flagship station, 92.7 Sports Radio WFNZ is scheduled to join the podcast. And, of course, uh, we will also have the game action on our flagship station, 92.7 Sports Radio WFNZ. One final note, even though the team is hitting the road now, a week from tomorrow, Friday, Hornets will be hosting the San Antonio Spurs to tip off a long stretch of home basketball. Would definitely love to see you at the Hive for any and all of them, beginning with Friday, January 19th, hosting Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs. Tickets are available at Hornets. Thanks to Rob Longo, as always, for joining me here on this edition of the HHC, and thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. For everybody here, I'm Sam Farber, saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you next time, right here on the Hornets Hivecast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and
1: throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com. Psst,
2: there's a shortcut to platinum status at
1: Shell. To saving ten cents per gallon on every fill every day, just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium gasoline, and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Platinum status is earned with twelve fills over three months, ten gallon minimum per fill up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com/status.